Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. At nine. warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Thank you for being with me. If you were with me in hour one, we had a fascinating discussion with R.L. Solberg on Torahism. I feel like I learn something new every day. I hope you do too. And this hour is going to be uh, wonderful. We're going to talk to Beth Geckenberger. What a great name. She's going to talk about her new book. Um, and it's going to be, uh, she's a wonderful author. And then Richard Barr is going to be coming in as well, and he has a credible ministry to the homeless and the disenfranchised. And I'm looking at Psalm chapter 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Let's take 60 seconds and then talk to Beth Guckenberger about her new book, Reckless Faith. A great way to stay informed on what's happening at Faith Radio is through the Faith Radio newsletter. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the newsletter link under the subscriptions tab. Submit your information there and you'll be emailed a new newsletter the first Monday of each month with information on the latest interviews, articles, and giveaways. Again, visit MyFaithRadio.com and look under Subscriptions to sign up for the Faith Radio Newsletter. In the midst of the hardest seasons, Faith Radio is committed to pointing you back to Jesus. Even when it feels like my world is shaking, even when I've had all that I can take, no, you never let me go. Whoa. And even when the waters won't stop rising, even when I'm caught in the dead of night, I know. In it together, Faith Radio. I am so glad to be welcoming back to the show Beth Guckenberger. She's uh, an author and really has an amazing ministry called Back to Back Ministries. It's an international nonprofit organization. She founded in 1996. She wants to be a voice for orphans. What's not to like about Beth? Beth, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, I loved your book, Start With Amen, How I Learned to Surrender by Keeping the End in Mind. Uh, I, I would love to talk about that, but I know you got a new uh, book out as well, a new devotional. Oh, it's like you're, I could talk about anything. But yes, I I decided to write, this is my ninth book, and I'd never done a devotional before. And I um, I actually was having a conversation with an author named Anne Lamont um, on, a, on a show I was in, and she said, these words, which I've never forgotten, which is, you should write something that you would be delighted to stumble upon. And so I was, I sat down with a blank piece of paper and thought, if I was, what kind of devotional I'd be so excited that somebody put together that I'd be, that, that I would look forward to. And um, that's kind of how I started in my brain and uh, built a 40-day experience for people. Well, that's awesome. That's quite a challenge you took on. 
And if I did that, <laughs> I would probably still be stuck on day one going, well, what am I supposed to write? <laughs> I decided to try to be as vulnerable as possible. I find that I like writing where people are um, honest and vulnerable and transparent, and authentic. Those kinds of words really resonate with me, but still God honoring. And and so I just, I just it's a bunch of stories about how um, saying yes to God has caused me to, you know, face my own sin and take risks and deepen relationship and listen more and step out and uh, all the things I want. But I, I was just trying to trace it back to this idea of saying yes. Yeah. Well, I love that you've put 40 life-changing messages together in a book. I mean, it's not overwhelming us. It's a nice number. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting a lot of value for my book money. But I'd love for you to kind of walk us through one of these um, stories, one of these messages. Yeah. Sure. I started, um, I, I, this hasn't always happened to me. Like, don't think like this always happens, but in the beginning of 2018, I did feel like God gave me a word to think about that year. And it was kind of extra cool because it was a Hebrew word. It was this word, Heneni, which translates in English as here I am. And you find it eight times in the old Testament, um, like Moses in front of a burning bush and, and, um, think, uh, Abraham on his way up a mountain with Isaac, when when the Lord calls down to those two men in those stories, their response was this singular word in, in Hebrew, Haneni, which we say, here I am, but it really means whatever it is that you're asking of me, I'm already in agreement of it. So I kept saying last year in 2018, I want this to be the year of Haneni. I want to say yes to the Lord before I try to count the cost or disqualify myself or say I'm too old or young or tired or busy or whatever. If the Lord says my name, I want to say whatever it is you're asking of me, I'm already in agreement of it. And uh, I got halfway through the year, and I, I was in Israel, and I was asking this Hebrew guide, like, hey, I'm, like, telling people about this word, and I just want to double-check, like, am I saying it right, and am I teaching it right? And he said to me, yeah, 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 that's all right. And then he goes, do you know there's some time in your Bible where the Lord says, any to you? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, there's a there's a moment in the Bible where the Lord says to you, whatever it is you're asking of him, he's already in agreement of it. And I'm like, well, where's that for? Where's that found? And we opened up our Bibles to Isaiah 58, and it, it goes through this part, the end of the chapter, like, is this the kind of fasting I've chosen? You know, and he, he walks through some of his mission, like to put clothes on naked people and to make room at our tables and to feed people who are hungry and set prisoners free. And he says, basically, if you're in the middle of my business, then... Your healing will break forth like the dawn, and it says, and you will cry out, and I will respond, and any, or here I am. And I, I, it just like, it just hit me like a, like a ton of bricks, but that's kind of the story of my life. I'm often in over my head. I'm often like, feel underqualified or immature or, or ill-prepared for any number of things that God's asked me to do in my life. But every time I get in that place where I feel kind of like I'm not enough for what he wants. And I've cried out to him. I've always found him to be responsive. Whatever it is that I was asking of him, he was in agreement of it. And so I just wanted to put that in there because whether we're parenting or married or married or neighboring or working or whatever, missioning or whatever we're doing in life, we always feel like we're kind of maybe not enough. And if everybody knew what we know about ourselves, they might think that we weren't the right person for the job. And so I, I just wanted to capture this idea what it looks like to be in that position and then to call out to God and to have him respond to you. Mm-hmm. That's a great word, Haneni. And I'm glad you did yeah. extra study on it because it sounds too much like panini and I would end up going and getting a sandwich <laughs> and I'd miss the whole yeah. thing, Beth. So um, I do find it uh, fascinating that uh, when you go to Isaiah 58 and I'm looking at it right now and you 
uh, God is already in agreement if you're in his will. Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah. If you're like, basically, it's like if, if you're busy about my business, mm-hmm. you you're going to need things like me to be a rear guard. It says right. you're going to need things like for me to go before you. You're going to need things like healing. You're you're going to need me because it's it's too much for you're not God. You can't do godlike things, but you can be in in relationship with me and I can do it through you. Um just cry out for help yeah. and so That's yeah, a, it, it, it was it it was good. Yeah, is the I don't feel 100% adequate is that just part of the human condition? I think everybody feels that about everything every day for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I mean like I am someone who kind of rejects the word balance. Like when people are like, I don't know how you balance it all. Todd and I have 11 kids and, you know, this ministry life and people yeah. are like, I don't know how you balance it all. And I think I'm not balancing it right. all. If, if, if I look good at work, like I'd never clean my house. And if, if my house <laughs> was looking really good, I blew off my work. And if I'm doing a great job with my kids, I probably haven't showered. And if I look fantastic, I probably blew off my kids. Like yeah. at some point, like you can't actually do it all perfectly all the time. Mm-hmm. So there is always this sense of like, I'm dropping a ball. I'm, 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 and, and so I like the word rhythm. I like to use the word rhythm a lot. I think that um, in Matthew chapter 11, in the message translation, Eugene Peterson talks about how uh, he quotes Jesus as saying, we have, that there's an unforced rhythm of grace. And that's kind of like how I like to live. Like I, I want to have an unforced rhythm of grace that says, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm faster in this area or slower in that area, or I'm picking that up, but it doesn't mean I'm dropping something. It just means, um, I don't know, that God's God's there in that rhythm with me. And I think that helps prevent me from feeling like I'm not enough because, mm-hmm. you know, some days we do it great and some days we don't. Totally. You know, social media has lit fire to that because we just put pictures out when everything looks really balanced. We just put pictures out when we've, you know, when we're in a moment, what we want the whole world to see us in that moment. So those are usually our best foot forwards which then continues to drive this perception that everybody has it going on well. And maybe I'm the only one that, you know, and messing up at whatever area you might feel a sense of insecurity in. So I want to have a tool in the hands of people to have conversations of substance because we can control conversations. We can edit conversations. We, we can be in conversations that really just um, are transactional and, and I was like thinking to myself, I want our faith communities to be talking about real moments when the real gospel hits against our real sin. And then what happens? Like, then, then what does maturation look like? Or what does confession look like? Or what, like, what does that wrestle look like? And so I, in the, in the devotional, I have all these questions that I'm hoping, like in my, in my dream life, I'm thinking people across their backyard fences are talking about them and in their small groups and in their family dinner tables. Like I, I want to engage people in substantive conversations about the things that God's asking them to do and the things he's showing them. Yeah. Beth, can you um, give me a couple of questions from the book? Cause I don't have my own copy yet, but I will get one. And I'd love to hear so some of the questions that, you know, you're, you're wanting to use to get people talking. Yeah. So I, um, there's like four, think of like a clock of 12, three, six, and nine. So, okay. Every day there's like um, at the top of the clock, we have experiences and some of the experiences I provoke them to do little challenges or experiences that I tell them that I did that day. Moments that are just real life snapshots of, of everyday living. 
from that experience, if you travel down the clock to where the three is, I think that we need to reflect on those experiences. In fact, left to myself, I'm kind of an experienced junkie, and I would just go from hit to hit to hit. But <laughs> I, I think that, that the truth is we ha- are called to reflect on those experiences. So the three questions I ask there at that three o'clock is, what's something today I learned about myself? What's something today I learned about somebody else? And what's something today I learned about the Lord? And I think those that kind of reflection on the experiences we have in our day drive us to that number six part of the clock, the bottom, which is change. Like when we have experiences that we reflect on, then we then we change. We 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 invite the Lord in to do the kind of things He transformatively does inside of our lives when we invite Him to. And then the nine part of that clock. So in that change section, I ask questions like, you know, do we need to change our priority, perspective, habit, thinking, thoughts, feelings? Like, what is it about our life that might need to change, get shifted a little bit because we've done some reflecting on whatever experience we've had? Then the last part of the clock for the nine is think of the word change. I mean, think of the word action. When we have experiences that we reflect on and we change, then we're going to act differently. And those actions might be, um, you know, external. We might go and live and serve and give and do and work and be different. Or they might be more action steps on the inside. I might confess and 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 ponder and prioritize. Or, but those 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 actions then drive us to new experiences. And then this growth cycle, it becomes like a flywheel. And there's actual spiritual momentum that happens. So, I I talk about how like sometimes I hear Christians talk about I'm in a dry period or I, I I'm in a moment where I feel kind of spiritually flat, and I. The way to get that flywheel to begin is to start reflecting on the experiences that you have in your day and then allow God to use that reflection to change and then allow that to spur us into, into new actions. And then and then we suddenly are kind of off to the races. So all kinds of questions in it, but that that's kind of the pattern that it follows. I love the structure of that, Beth. I'm going to go to break here, but I would love when we come back, if you couldn't walk us through just a uh, a personal experience where you have your experience and you do your reflection And then if you can think of a personal experience to Mm -hmm. share with the listeners, I know that would be gold. Okay. Does that sound like a plan? Awesome. It sounds like a plan. Good. Beth Guckenberger is my guest. She's written nine books. The one we're looking at today is called Reckless Faith, A 40-Day Journey to Saying Yes. What a great title. Great devotional. 40 life-changing messages to encourage a life of reckless faith. Who doesn't want that? We'll be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to be talking to Beth Guckenberger again. She has written nine books. I first met her with her book, Start With Amen. I loved it, and I've talked about it to many, many people, not even when I'm behind the microphone. So that's a good sign. Now she's written a 40-day journey to saying yes called Reckless Faith. And Beth, right before we went to break, you were uh, chatting about the, the the wheel, and you have mm-hmm. an experience, and then you... It, you reflect on that experience, and then you take it to the next phase. Would you walk us through one of your own personal uh, moments? Yeah. So one of the things, um, one of the experiences is I was in a training here for my day job. I work with orphans, and we were learning that um, we were learning that fear is the primary emotion on which anger sits on top. So we were learning that every time somebody's angry, they're actually really afraid. 
And the person that was doing our, our training was saying, have any of you ever lost a child in a grocery store? And I have. And so I was reflecting back to this moment. I lost my son, Josh, once. And when I finally found him in the produce department, I wasn't like, oh, I'm so glad to find you. Would you like a banana? I was like crazy. Like, what are you doing? I told you to stay where you were. And so we were talking about the relationship between anger and fear. A little bit later that night, my husband and I got in a conflict, which honestly, I can't even remember what it was about, but it was the kind of conflict that we didn't want anyone to hear. So we went into our bedroom and halfway through our discussion, spirited discussion, somebody, one of our kids knocked on the door. They needed a ride somewhere. So um, they, they left. When they came back, uh, when, when my husband left, I was thinking to myself, I don't like how I sound right now. I don't like what I'm thinking. Like I was feeling a sense of conviction and I was asking myself like, oh gosh, Lord Jesus, what are you teaching me about myself? What are you teaching me about Todd? What are you teaching me about you? And I was remembering that um, I knew knew that I needed the Bible. Like I, I knew I needed scripture in my life, but I didn't know. I didn't really want to open up my Bible to like Leviticus. Like I was angry. I had adrenaline in my heart. I was like worked up, but I I knew that I, I knew that I needed those things. And I had been trying to put scripture in my life when I was angry because I was really afraid because the Bible tells me to fear not. So anyway, what I decided to do is sit on my bed and I hit the audio Bible feature of my phone and just let the Bible come to me because I didn't want to go to the Bible. So I let that Bible come to me. And as I was listening to those words, kind of rush over me and impact the way I was thinking. My husband comes to the door and he was ready to like pick up where we left off. But the poor thing, you can't start yelling at your wife who's sitting there listening to her Bible. So <laughs> he, he, he comes and mm. sits down on the, on the bed next to me. And the next thing that we heard together was a house divided against itself cannot stand a verse out of Mark. Cause I had been listening to the book of Mark and we sat there in that moment and decided that the action step that we wanted to take, the change was like, God was saying to us, hey, the most important thing is not what you're fighting about. The most important thing is that you stay as two people who have become one in my sight. And so, like, we looked at each other, and it wasn't like we couldn't have picked up where we left off. Of course, we remembered everything we had been saying. But all of a sudden, in that moment, it was like, it's it's actually it's not worth it. Like, even though I could try to win that or could try to convince you or could try to manipulate you or could try to punish you or could try to do anything else my son wanted to do, it's not, it's not worth it. And so now for us and one of our action steps is when one of us feels like we're getting kind of heated about anything, you know, peanut butter or toothpaste or where you parked or whatever, when the other person, we've like disciplined ourselves to be the person who's not upset, say to the one that is upset, you sound like you're angry. Tell me what it is that you're really afraid. And that saved us. I can't even tell you, Bill, how many times. Like, we were building a house, and I don't know, the, the builder was talking to us about putting a bathroom in our guest bedroom, and I was like, we don't need one of those. And Todd was like, we do need one of those. And we started talking about a bathroom, and a hot second later, we were talking about his mother, you know, the way you do when you fight. And he looked at me, and he said, he's like, Beth, you sound angry, but I think you're really afraid. What are you afraid of? And I was like, oh, I am afraid. You're right. I'm afraid that we can't afford that bathroom. And he's like, oh, I mean, we wouldn't even be having that conversation if I didn't think we could afford it. And he got out his little spreadsheets, and I was like, great. I'd like brush nickel in there then, please. And, you know, <laughs> off, off, off we went. But it was like some of those, like, disruptors of patterns that we had long held, like the idea that we might, just a few words or 
the application of scripture in a heated moment, like those things have actually changed the trajectory of not only our marriage, but certainly my faith life. And those are the kind of moments that I tried to capture in the devotional. Mm. That's really powerful. And you know, Beth, it sounds like too, you and your husband then had a, um, a testimony to God's faithfulness that you remember that moment sitting on the bed, you could have returned to the argument, but God's word spoke to you. And now you've got a benchmark experience that you now have in your arsenal of how we communicate. Yes. Yeah, there's nothing more important. And so sometimes if I feel myself getting kind of worked up, like on a drive home from somewhere, or if I hang up a phone call or whatever, I just start playing my audio Bible. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even matter where I am, just the sound of God's Word. It says so in true. the Word, it's like, it's like, like balm, like honey, like like the balm of Gilead. Like it, it literally kind of coats over those rough and ragged edges and starts to just remind you of what's most important. Mm-hmm. I also have heard, and from a guest that was on the show not that long ago, that the uh, the anger part can be a result of mm-hmm. a lot of frustration. It's not that you're yeah. so uh, angry, angry, you're just so frustrated. Yeah, and Bible, I mean, brain researchers tell us that listening actually heals the brain. And so, like, a couple of the days are about listening, about active listening. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think we're very good listeners anymore. I mean, we're, we're so, we don't, we don't make space and time to listen. We, we, we're just not that good at it. We're great at talking these days, but we're not so good at listening and listening heals the brain, reduces frustration and creates connection. And whether we're talking parent and child or two coworkers or husband and wife, um, yeah, I, I think listening is a really, really important skill for us to continue to work on and develop. I think it's a lost art. I'll go as far as mm-hmm. saying I don't know if anyone ever truly learned how to listen because um, I think most of us just carry on parallel monologues. I just wait mm-hmm. for you to stop talking so I can start talking. <laughs> yeah, and the and the yeah yeah, and whether we're doing it digitally or we're doing it in each other's presence, I, I think we're yeah. we're busy kind of thinking and posing what it is that we have to say next and. Little do we realize no one's actually listening to us, so who cares what we say next, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. And if we can figure out how to listen to each other, I think we're going to be way happier people. And um, God did give us the two ears and one mouth. I know I've heard that a million times, but it's true. Well, I think it's also evangelistic. Like, I, I, I keep thinking about how the Bible says that we are part of a kingdom of priests, And so if a priest is supposed to reflect their God, so if someone is around any one of us who call ourselves Christ followers, they should know a little bit more about what it's like to be around God, like we're supposed to reflect him him to them. So I think to myself, like, oh, my gosh, like, how is it that we are reflecting God to a world that doesn't know him? Do we sound like we're curious about them, like we want to hear of them, that we're interested in what's happening in their lives, that we want to know what's bothering them? Or are we spending a bunch of time telling them what they what we think they're doing wrong and what we think that they need to do differently and and it's so that that is like messing with my head in terms of not just how do I want to listen and care and live and express myself among the people I love and and are in the same faith with, but what about people who don't know Jesus like how would it look like for me to be curious about their life and um and responsive to their needs. Mm. Beth, you're a gift. I love talking to you. And I just want to know, how is the bathroom in the uh, guest room? (laughs) 
Well, funny, yes, we did put a bathroom in the guest bedroom, and we host lots of missionaries at our house. And uh, every single time someone checks into the guest room, I think to myself, I bet they love that privacy. And it's a little, it's a, it's a pretty regular reminder for me. Um, first of all, to voice my fears when I have them, so mm-hmm. that God can either re- relieve them or, but uh, it, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good pretty regular reminder of me of that moment when I was initially in sin and someone cared enough about me to walk me out of sin instead of meet me there and sin alongside me. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, coming back on the show with 11 kids. I don't know how you have time and and (laughs) book writing and ministry and dealing with every thing that you do. I don't know how you have time. Honest. Thank you. It's my joy. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. Beth Guckenberger has been my guest. Uh, The book we were chatting about today is called Reckless Faith, A 40-Day Journey to Saying Yes. You're going to want to get your hands on that one. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. All right, how about a little time for some inspiration? A little time for feeling motivated and put love into action. Richard Barr is my in-studio guest. He Uh, founded the social ministry organization Threshold to New Life with his wife, Carla. And this organization helps homeless or people who are recently have recently experienced homelessness um, to try to obtain or keep their housing. So he is a working nonstop helping the disenfranchised and the people living on the fringe of society. Richard, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Bill. Yeah. Now, you're leaving from here to go serve dinner tonight um, under a bridge outside in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why not? And you got a big smile on your face. This is <laughs> I who can't I haven't. I know. I know. That's true. Yeah. I know. But you do this every day. I mean, you've served breakfast every morning, don't you? Um, I don't personally I serve personally. breakfast, but we do have uh, over 40 volunteers that do that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you're there a couple mornings a week, aren't you? At least usually? a couple mornings a week, mm-hmm. yeah. And yep. you arrive at 4, 4.30? 4.30. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so wait, I'm still waiting for you to take me up on the invitation. Well, I plan to. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, when you do this or your crew does this, how many will show up for food? We have probably as few as 80, maybe as many as 125. So we figure we serve about probably 40,000 meals a year. Okay. Now this dinner you're going to be serving tonight, um, tell me what that's going to look like, feel like, and when the, the men and women who are homeless come under this bridge hoping to get a warm meal, which you'll provide, what kind of conversation do you have with them? Yeah, well, first of all, let's clarify. I want to give props to where they're due. So there's a, a little 501c3 called Project 68. And so Project 68 is actually the one that sponsors this dinner. So okay. Carl and I are kind of one of the one many of the volunteers that step awesome. in and help with this. Okay. So. Um, yeah, Adam and Christy Becker do a, a wonderful job with that. So in terms of the population, um, there's people that camp out that stay outside. There'll be people that will be coming from shelters, uh, couch surfing. Uh, we'll have some alumni, you know, people that are housed now that just, they come back for the fellowship. I mean, we're, we're friends, right? Um, that's a, that's a potluck kind of a format. So, uh, my love, lovely wife, Carla, she's got a whole bunch of, I think, tater tot hot dishes, nice. some sort of nice. Minnesota-type fare for cold mm-hmm. weather. Uh, got like four trays of that, and there'll be a variety of other people that'll be bringing things. And so we'll set up table under the bridge, and we'll serve, and we'll eat, and then we'll meet at the Devani's on um, uh, 13th and Hennepin, and we'll have a little Bible study tonight. Nice. So we'll finish up nice. about 9. 
So you've written a couple of books. I've gone through both of them. One is called Amazed and the way the humanity of Jesus matters. And the other one is called Those People, the True Character of the Homeless. Now, Christians have historically been that group that has stepped in the gap, right? And a lot of people are now thinking about the holidays that are coming up and Thanksgiving and what can we do as a family. And is it, it, it sometimes takes a lot of um, push to get people into that place where they set their alarm at 4.30 and go help you serve breakfast. Yeah, we actually have a remarkable number of volunteers that will show up for us over the holidays. And then it ends up being a drop-off. But, you know, I never, I never, um, I guess I don't judge people for that. It's like, hey, I showed up the first time too mm-hmm. once. So you never know when it's somebody that's going to hook into somebody. And um, I usually offer to have people come back more than once. And I get one or two responses. I'll either get kind of a blank stare and they kind of go, yeah, sure, which means no. <laughs> Or they'll be like, no, sign me up, man. I'm in. Like, That's cool. What, what day do you need me? You That's know? cool. Let's talk about the thinking that many people have today on homeless and homelessness. I mean, we get, we see all the time. And, you know, you inspired me the last time you were here um, to have um, materials on hand. So I went to one of the hmm. big box stores and got uh, several dozen pairs of socks okay. and stashed them in my back seat of my car. And then usually I will go up and when somebody is asking for money at the corner and I'm in my car, that's usually where they try to hit you up, mm-hmm. right? Right. And I will pull, roll the window down, greet them warmly, say, I've got a, you know, a couple of bucks for you and a pair of fresh socks if that How's is something that been going? you're... Well, it's amazing okay. how much they love the cash and the socks. Right. And they will usually tell me how grateful they are that... I talked to them, I made eye contact with them, and mm-hmm. I smiled at them because they said, you have no idea how many people will not make eye contact with me, and I'm a human being. And I remember when I heard that, I just get choked up thinking about it. Yeah, it's a heartbreaking thing. I've had, it is. I've had, uh, I've had many, many people tell me that, that uh, they've said, what, what would you, how would you feel if you spent all day long with people trying not to look at you? Yeah. No, it's 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 kind of the simplest form of humanity is to make eye contact with another person. To but then share people that, think if I glance. make eye contact, then I'm going to have to respond to them, and I'm going to have to either wave them to say no, I don't have money, or they they just looked at their phone or they do something. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's easy and to so avoid. our approach is really to encourage people to anticipate that you'll encounter somebody that's in that situation, and to kind of think about that and have a little bit of a plan. That way, when people look away. It's typically because they're, they don't know, well, like, what should I say? Well, like, what do you say to a homeless person? Or they might be afraid that um, they might be asked for something and then they don't want to give cash or whatever because mm-hmm. they've been told not to. But if you anticipate that you're going to run into panhandlers, well, then you can be kind of equipped and ready. Right. You know, in terms of your response, you can be more confident in that. And then you can treat them with dignity. Mm-hmm. So let's... Um Talk about some of the ways that we can be much more effective. I mean, there's there are things that we can be we can do to be prepared. First of all, right. But what are the best words, the best things to be ready to say to somebody? Uh, I usually ex- uh, and and first of all, I should qualify. I mean, you have to be comfortable doing this. I mean, apparently you are. I've had a number of of ladies say. Gee, I just don't know if I want to roll down the window oh, for a that. guy, whatever. And no, that's so I would never encourage anybody if they're not comfortable doing that. Um, but f- 
for me personally, what I do is I'll I look them in the eye, roll the window down. I might extend my hand. I'll tell them my name. <clears throat> they may offer theirs. They may not. And I'll just say, hey, you know, I've got something to bless you with today, and I um, and I hope that you really get you know what you need today. Um, I carry some little tracks uh, that I'll give a, like a McDonald's gift card. I'll have tape to it. And, nice. Um, I give them the track. I say, hey, here's five bucks on the card for you and a little message from my boss. And it's just kind of a little levity thing, and they'll look at it, and then they'll kind of smirk like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, oh, so. you're one of those Christian guys. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of those Christian guys, yeah. Yeah, but it's um, it's difficult for us to sometimes just put our arms around because we, we think, well, how is a couple dollars going to make a difference in their day, and don't they what they really need to do is go get a job and... I'm sure we come to some conclusions that we can justify as we're sitting in our car. We do, yeah. And uh, the reason I wrote the last book, Those People, was out of 12 years of experience of dealing with people that have been in homeless situations and how surprised I really was at how wrong I was about so many people. Say more about that. So... The reason people are homeless, there's a myriad of reasons why they're homeless or why they're living in a homeless shelter. And just because you don't have a permanent address doesn't mean you're not somebody that has a great capacity to love other people or exhibits tremendous patience or somebody that has great tenacity. Um, I met so many people with such great character, like, and I'm not trying to be overly self-deprecating, but like way better people than me. Mm-hmm. But yet... I've got a car and I've got a house and, you know, whatever, and, and, and they didn't. And um, it just really made me start appreciating people and thinking, you know, the, the don't judge a book by its cover sort of a deal. And um, and many of these people have become uh, very good friends of mine. I mean, they we, we spend holidays together. We call each other. We uh, When I'm downtown or I'm in a shelter, I mean, I'm always looking for them. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people you have befriended on the street. Yeah. And then you have them at your house for holidays. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Why Why wouldn't you? Of course I mean, not. No, of course not. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Because they don't have a place to go and you open your home and you invite them in. And, and we enjoy each other. Of course. Sure. Um, I think I think it was Billy Graham that said, um, imitating Christ is opening the door to friendship. Sounds like that's what you're doing, Richard. Well, I don't know. We're just trying to love... <laughs> <laughs> just trying to love each, each other, right? I yeah. mean, that's that's really what it's about. Yeah. So yeah. I'd love to hear a story, and know you have one, of someone that you met that was homeless that you were able to help find shelter and are now showing up at these alumni events. You're talking about one person in well, particular? Well, no, 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 no. You're no. saying in general? In general, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, these stories are so interesting. Yeah, we have both at, both at our breakfast and then at the Project 6-8 event uh, that we have on Tuesday evenings. We'll have any number of people that will come back that are now housed. Um, you know, I, I, I always say the food is the excuse for the fellowship. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you think about any other kind of gathering that we have or meetings. Uh, how many times is the food involved? Answer, almost always, right? So, I mean, if you want people to show up. And if it was just, uh, hey, let's have a bunch of Christian people show up at 5 o'clock in the morning in a homeless shelter, not a whole lot of people would get up. But if you serve a meal, they do. And through that... That gives us an opportunity to be able to make connections and build relationships. And then through those relationships, that's what gets people coming back. And it's like the old saying, you know, they don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Right. 
So that's really what we do is we exhibit care by meeting a basic need, and it gives us the gateway to be able to create relationships with people. So I'll pretend I'm this generic person that's asking you this generic question, okay? <laughs> so, so, Richard, it must be really rewarding to work with the homeless. Uh, you know my answer, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I do know your answer. Sometimes it is. Uh, sometimes it's heartbreaking. Sometimes it's uh, frustrating. Um, I've, I've bawled on my way home. I've shaken my fist as I've been going home. I've wondered, does this even matter? Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really not about me. It's about being faithful. Uh, it's and it's about faithfulness, and so what? what and I'm not, I'm I'm a long ways from perfect at this, but I just try to suit up and show up, and I just try to be faithful to the promptings and the calls that I get, uh, and I don't get them all right, but that's what I aim to do. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there is a higher amount of mental illness on the streets right now in terms of homelessness, as compared a, to, as compared to you know, I don't know since you started. Doing work with homeless. Um, it always seems like the the question that's hmm. out there is, you know, if you're at a busy intersection, and there's someone. I don't think even most people would feel too afraid to roll down the window if it's a busy intersection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the idea that this person could have some mental illness scares people. Yeah, I don't know if there's more chemdep or mental illness than when I first started, but I would say, is there more than kind of the general population? Possibly. Um, But then again, as a society, we haven't chosen to care for those people either. Uh, If you're mentally ill or you struggle severely with alcoholism or chemical dependency to the point where you've lost everything, your options are to be incarcerated in some fashion or to be homeless. I mean, if there's not a family member that's willing to step in your gap, you know, the gap that you have in your life. Uh, those people are really just left behind. We don't have, you know, when you and I grew up, there were the mental hospitals, there mm-hmm. were things like that. Uh, we don't have those things anymore. So, yeah, so there's a fair amount of mental illness, which doesn't mean that those people are dangerous. You know, they might seem unusual to you, yeah. but yeah. All right, we're going to take a little break. Richard Barr is in studio, and he's written a couple of books. The one we're kind of chatting about is Those People, The True Character of the Homeless. If you have a question you would like to ask uh, Richard, let us know what it is. You can send a text message to 877-933-2484. I bet you do have a question about when you've encountered someone who is homeless and you've needed advice as to how you could have handled it better or what to do next time. Let us know what that is. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. So glad to be chatting with Richard Barr. I love his ministry. I love his spirit, his attitude, his love for people. And he reaches out and does ministry with the homeless and tries to get people reconnected into homes and just meets them where they're at. Matter of fact, tonight when he leaves the studio, he's racing to help serve dinner under a bridge outside in Minneapolis. And of course, it's chilly and wet and kind of cold here tonight. So that's uh, quite an act of love. Now, last time he was on, I had a listener contact me and he was homeless but he was listening to faith radio and he wanted to get in contact 
with Richard. So I texted Richard and I said, Richard, I got a listener that would like to talk to you. Richard, tell me what happened. Yeah, so we connected mm-hmm. um, by phone and we talked and uh, we decided to get, I wanted to meet him face to face. So I found out where he was at. And I think a couple of days later, we met in a restaurant over in St. Paul and had a nice long dinner. He kind of told me his whole story and I connected him with some resources, some things that he wasn't aware of, which helped um, helped to a degree. Uh, but this is a fellow that he does struggle with some mental illness. He's not, he's not dangerous, but he, he's got some things and I'm not a doctor, so I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly what the things were, but, but by his own admission, he struggled with some, some mental illness Mm -hmm. and his extended family was estranged from him. There were, uh, there had been a number of deaths in the family and, uh, He's living life without a net. I'm trying to think. He was probably, I think he was in his mid-30s. Okay. Probably. So he's a fully grown person and um, nobody there to care for him, to help pick him up and guide him. He now is not in uh, Minnesota any longer. He's in another state. He's been living in the shelter system, still struggling. But he and I have been corresponding by email. And it's difficult for me to be able to do anything more than just, I just said, Hey man, you know, you got a friend for life and me. So it's like, if you want to call me, you want to email, I'm always happy to connect with you and do what I can to try to encourage you. Mm, it's a beautiful story. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for mm-hmm. connecting with him. And yeah, what a wonderful, uh, yeah, wonderful story. All right, Richard, let's um, talk about some of the things that we need to be prepared for um, in terms of reaching out, dealing with people who are homeless, uh, Patience, I would imagine, is one of them. Patience? Patience. Having patience yes. with, with homeless? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, homeless people have a tremendous amount of patience in general. Okay. You know, you think about, I don't know about you, when I'm in the checkout line, I'm always kind of scanning to see which one's going to be the shortest one and ducking into that. Well, if you're homeless, there's one line <laughs> for everything. Yeah, that's true. And all you do is wait. So... <laughs> so, where do you want to go with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about, um, tell me more about, the, let's talk about the people that you know who are homeless. Oh, what is their gratitude like? Are they, are even, they, are well, they grateful? Even your are questions they... are interesting because they're, they're painting things with a pretty broad brush. Well, these I, are individuals. I, of course. Of yeah. course. I guess what I'm saying is maybe think of an individual and is that person full of gratitude? Are they angry? Are they whatever you give, they wish they had more? Um, I guess that's what I'm going at. I'll tell you what I'm surprised about. <clears throat> so we, we've had some new volunteers at the breakfast recently. Uh, and so I've been kind of going along to acclimate people to what we do. Mm-hmm. So this is 530 in the morning and you've got people getting up that stayed in a shelter that slept on a really thin mat or worse uh, in a room with over a hundred other people and get up and come to our breakfast and I've had our volunteers remark to me how surprised they are at how gracious people are and thankful for a bowl of oatmeal or grits or cold cereal. Nice. So when I do a debrief with them, they're like, man, I can't believe how like kind and gracious people were. And they said, thank you. And they were patient. And so our volunteers were surprised by the reaction that they got. From our guests. Meanwhile, I'm screaming at the waitress because my goat cheese omelet isn't right. Goat cheese? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Here's a question from a listener. How do I get over feeling like I'm enabling when I give to the homeless? I currently have little shoebox kits filled with snacks, a welcoming card, and a Bible verse, socks, and some toiletries like deodorant and toothpaste that I give out when I come upon a homeless person. I know I'm helping them out, but I also feel like I'm enabling them to continue waiting for handouts. Wow, this is a high-achieving listener. I this, mean, it's, very much so. Yeah, yeah. these well are my done. listeners. These well are my done. listeners, Richard. Yeah, well, yeah, you've got some high-achieving yes, listeners. Yes, I do. This is well. First of all, kudos to the uh, the preparation. I think that's probably the key thing: is be prepared. I try to leave it with people where I think it's a very personal decision in terms of the accountability that you feel like you have when you give something away to a homeless person. So, for instance, I I, I mentioned I give away, um, you know, fast food gift cards. I also know there's a street value for those very same cards of two dollars, mm-hmm. so you can get you can get two bucks. You can swap the McDonald's card off for two bucks from somebody or a couple of cigarettes. So I already know that. Okay. So you're streetwise, though. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. So at what point? At what point am I remain accountable? You know, I'm not giving them cash in this case. I'm mm-hmm. giving them a, a, a gift card that I think is going to be exchanged for food that may not be. Mm-hmm. So I've made the decision generally at that point that that that. They're fully grown human beings, and they're accountable for what they choose to do with what I give them. Doesn't it give them a valid reason to go into a McDonald's, though, or a restaurant that you've chosen that, that has a gift card that they can get a breakfast sandwich and maybe use the bathroom and sit and warm up a little bit? Yeah. Isn't that valuable as well? It is It is indeed. I'm just saying that that uh, if somebody's a hustler and they take the gift card that I give them and they oh, go sure. swap it out for sure. a couple of cigarettes, That's their... did I enable them? No. No. So I've I've chosen to decide that in that case not, mm-hmm. and I've given cash. I've been in other cities where I haven't been prepared, and I I haven't had stashes of things with me, and I've just felt moved. Like I look at somebody and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to give this guy some cash, and I'm going to, but I'm going to take some time and visit with a, him or her or whatever. And um, I don't do that all the time, but I have done it. Mm-hmm. Another listener said, "Thanks for having Rich on. I also served the breakfast and really have learned much from Rich." We often see him praying with people, hugging people, big smile for everyone. He has helped me put aside my prejudices and open my heart. I love that he's helped me to hear his call. Hmm. So we have some common fans, you and I, apparently. Well, yes. Yeah, that that would be true. (laughs) That would be true. Wow, that's sweet. Isn't that that nice? That is. Yeah. That's encouraging. Yeah. So do a little pep talk for people that, you know, would be just uh, moving the needle in their lives if if they said, no, I can go try this. You know, this is a great time of the year to think about. It. We do get a uh, lift in volunteers during the holidays, and and I think justifiably so. I think people's hearts turn to thinking about the needs of others. Uh, it's a this is a great time to I think step into deciding to serve other people, and it doesn't have to be the homeless. It could be the elderly or uh, children or any other any population you would consider to be a vulnerable population. Um, I mean, we're really called to serve Jesus said, you know, the least of these, you've done this to me. And, and uh, we really, uh, we're, we're called to serve and love other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, God's given me an uncommon gift where he's broken my heart over people that a lot of people think are despicable. And I think of that as a gift because not many people have that. So that's what I exercise. But uh, the last thing I would want to do is chase around a bunch of toddlers in some sort of a preschool or something that that's just not me but that would be but that would be somebody else's calling right exactly yeah another listener said i started making bags full of toiletries and snacks for homeless is there something that i should or should not include 
Yeah. Um, I love the personal care items. I mm-hmm. think those are good. Socks are super popular, and you can go to one of the big box stores and buy like a 10-pack of socks mm-hmm. for a buck or less mm-hmm. a sock. So they're pretty inexpensive. Um, I love to put a little track in there just because I, I feel like I want to try to spread the gospel, and so I try to leverage that. They may keep it or not. Um, I think non-perishable, simple food items are great, like beef sticks or um, you know granola bars, mm-hmm. things like that. Most there, there are many homeless that don't eat pork. You know, if somebody has a, a faith, deal with that. So we never serve pork at any of the things that we do. So I'd stay away from that. Yeah, but little snacks that can have some nice long shelf life, huh? Yeah, 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 indeed. Yeah. So. Uh, Obviously, listeners all over the country, so if they're feeling inspired and they're not in Minneapolis where they could come help you, uh, what would be a a thing to do? Who would I call? Where would I try to get involved? Well, the great thing is with the Internet, it's super easy, right? I mean, you can Google, you can put in uh, homeless shelter, name of your city, okay, right? And stuff's going to start popping up, and you'll have to do a little bit of sleuthing and clicking around before you can find a phone number or link, but... Um, I've served in shelters in other cities. I've got lots of friends that do similar things that I do. I can tell you that everybody is typically looking for some sort of volunteers. If you're going to try to serve with your entire family and your kids on Christmas Eve and you get a hold of the Salvation Army on the 20th of December, they're probably going to tell you they don't have room. Right. So I'll plan ahead a little bit, but um, it's, it's, it's easy to find opportunities to serve the homeless yeah, just and, through Google, and not just point towards a specific holiday, but try to make it part of your lifestyle. You got to begin somewhere. Every yeah. journey starts with the first step, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, Richard, you inspire me always. It's nice to hear that you are con- continuing to do your your great work. Oh, hey, book plug. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Barnes and Noble is doing a book signing. Really? For us on the those? Yeah, can you believe for that? you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. So check this out. The Saturday before Christmas. Isn't that amazing? At the Maple Grove Grove Barnes & Noble. That's uh, awesome. One to three. I'm going to try to come. I'll heckle. Look forward to that. Count on that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'll have a panini with some goat cheese on it ready for you. That would be nice. You're going to make friends with me then. (laughs) All right. Richard Barr has been my guest. RichardBAHR.com. You can go check it out. Thanks for being with me today. I have loved our time together as I always do, and I hope you have enjoyed it as well. Go to MyFaithRadio.com if you missed any of today's show and you'd like Thanks to for listening. hear the podcast. Programming like this is made Thank available you for being through such your a support. Wonderful Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.